0: We praise, Lord, for thy great land, that we thy dwelling place may be. Thou livest us, we fill with thee. Thou in the sun, express my peace. Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of Christ for their entire Christian lives and show us patterns of ones that counted all things loss on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his comprehensive work called The Life Study of the Bible before going to be with the Lord in 1997. And we're pleased to bring you recorded excerpts from The Life Study of Philippians on today's broadcast. Before we join today's program, we'd like to give you our toll-free number that you may receive our free monthly newsletter, The Hearing of Faith. That number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788.
1: Now, let's join today's life study. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. This wonderful short refrain is loved by nearly all believers. We might use it to comfort suffering friends, or we may even declare it or even sing it aloud to help ourselves and others be more joyful in the Lord. But have you ever examined this verse in its biblical context? Well, we'll do just that today, and I hope that in so doing, we'll all be made more joyful in the process. Francis Ball has joined us today. How are you, Francis?
2: Very good. Very happy to be here again.
1: Are you rejoicing today, Francis? I am rejoicing, yes. Amen. Well, Francis, in a lot of his epistles, the Apostle Paul mentions various saints by name that were important to him and had really joined themselves to his ministry. In this letter to the Philippians, he mentions two sisters in chapter 4 that we're going to find out about today, and these two even had co-labored with him in the gospel. But we're going to find out that he wasn't singling these two out particularly in a very positive way, was he?
2: No, absolutely not. I think this is quite a exposure to these two that fits many of our circumstances.
1: Yeah, they kind of became sacrificial lambs in a way, I think, for all of our sakes, didn't they? That's right. Francis, uh, let's look at verse 1 in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and this will help set up the first portion that we're going to have today from Witness Lee. We begin, So then, my brothers, beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown, in the same way stand firm in the Lord, beloved. I exhort you odious, And I exhort Syntyche to think the same thing in the Lord. Let's pick up Witness Lee as he opens up this portion of chapter 4.
3: The last chapter, chapter 4, is actually and practically a conclusion with some points to confirm his writing and charge the receivers. So chapter 4 opens this way. So then, my brothers, beloved and longed for, I not only love you, I also long for you, my joy and crown. He's very emotional. My joy. You all are my joy within. And you also are my crown without. That means you are my inward happiness and you are my outward glory. The crown is the outward glory. And the joy, the inward happiness. So stand firm in the Lord. Then he besought, I beseech Eodius and Syntyche to think the same thing in the Lord. According to the names, these are female names. They are sisters, Eodius and Sentoki. These were their qualifications who contended with me in the gospel. Don't think these sisters were poor. No, they were not poor. They were contending with Paul in the gospel. Not only with Paul, but also with both Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Now, such good, prominent sisters, yet they need the help. Help in what matter? Help to think the same thing. Based upon the foregoing chapters, we surely know what is to think the same thing. The same thing is the pursuing. The pursuing for the full enjoyment of Christ. The full gaining of Christ. This indicates that these two prominent, excellent, good sisters, they were good but they were not pursuing Christ to the uttermost.
1: Francis, this is an interesting account in chapter 4 of these two, well, very positive sisters, Euodius and Syntyche. They were obviously saints in the church that were well-known to the whole church in Philippi. Uh, They had even co-labored with the apostle in his gospel work, and they had co-labored with other of the fellow workers. Yet here in this book, he doesn't commend them. Rather, he exposes them to the uttermost, that for all their spiritual attainment, they really weren't pursuing Christ desperately. What's the window that the Bible gives us here to see that these two were not so desperate in their pursuing?
2: Well, uh, it seems to me, Chris, that Paul is really exhorting each of these two sisters in such a way to indicate that uh, neither of them is really pursuing Christ in an absolute or a desperate way. Uh, As I see it, he's not urging them to... uh, settle their differences between each other. But he wants them to be desperately of the same thinking, the same mind. They would all think the same thing, the one thing, that both of these sisters would be absolutely for pursuing Christ, that they may gain Him and they could enjoy Him. This is Paul's burden, uh, not to rebuke them and not to discipline them, but to help them to get in the same burden that he's in, to gain Christ to pursue him to such an extent that he could enjoy him in such a living way
1: Francis we're going to see that uh for all of their success in their gospel work and their other things, the fact that they were of a different mind here than the apostle uh, was really in a sense negating or at least frustrating their utility or their usefulness to the lord's uh, to the Lord's purpose. We need to be mindful of this matter of how our mind is set, don't right. we?
2: That's the thing that uh, the Apostle Paul had in his own experience, that his mind had really been set on pursuing Christ and gaining Him at any cost. We saw an earlier broadcast that he was really after gaining Christ at any cost. Everything else that was a gain to him, he was willing to set it aside that he might gain Christ. So this is his mindset. This is where his mind and his thinking is, and that's what he's looking for in those who co-work together with him. He was urging all the Christians in this to uh, have their mind set on the same thing, pursuing and gaining Christ. Yeah, he
1: was quite earnest in his desire to have uh, the mind that the Lord had put in him, which we also found out was the mind of Christ, that this mind would also now infect these two dear sisters and all of the ones in Philippi.
2: That's right. He makes reference to this mind.
1: Well, he also goes on to make a plea not just for these two, Uh, But when we come to verse 3, let's look at that. It says, Yes, I ask you also, genuine yoke fellow, assist them, since they contended with me in the gospel as well as with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So his burden here is not just for these two sisters. As we find out, he makes a plea to all of the saints in Philippi to find some that would be so like-minded as to be yoked with him in this pursuit. Let's go to Witness Lee.
3: I'd like to talk with you a little bit about genuine yoke fellow. Do you understand this term? Very special. A yuk fellow in Islam to plow the land. They didn't use only one cattle. They mostly used two in pairs. They put two cattle in pair to plow the land. So, the two bear the same burden. The genuine yoke fellow means what? means you, dear ones, who do have a real burden as I, Paul, do. You are genuine. You are my genuine yoke fellow. You are one genuine who bears the same kind of burden under the same yoke. This is kind meaningful. Actually, if we still do not seek Christ to the uttermost, in a good sense, we have not been euked yet. We are still free in thinking. We are still free in this kind of thought. We are still free in that kind of consideration. If we are euked, then think the same thing as Paul does. If you are not yoked with Paul, together with Paul, you cannot help Paul to uh, help these two sisters. Paul did have a burden to help these two sisters to think the same thing. That means to drop their concept concerning so many good things, so many good works for God to just pursue after Christ. Paul had this burden. Yet Paul needs someone, you know, by this time Paul was in Roman prison, far away from Philippi. So Paul expected that there in Philippi, at least one genuine co-worker that was yoked under the same burden as Paul did. This means Paul expected that in Philippi, among so many saints, at least one would be exactly the same in pursuing Christ. Paul got yoked. Paul's thinking, Paul's thought, Paul's consideration, Paul's mentality, Paul's function in his mind didn't have a bit of freedom. He got yoked. He expected that in Philippi, there might be someone at least that was yoked in the same way. This is a strong expression. Paul expressed The need, I wrote you this letter, but I don't have that much confidence. My letter will do an adequate work. I need one among you in Philippi who is genuinely yoked under the salt, the mind, to seek after Christ as I am. I need such one. And this one will assist, will help these two dissenting sisters to think the same thing. But you, if you are going to help them, you must be firstly yoked in this mind. You know, as many as are grown, have this mind. To have this mind means what? To be yoked. To lose your liberty, your freedom. Paul, he saw this one thing. That is, at any cost, by any means, he would pursue Christ to the uttermost. This was his mind. His mentality was absolutely yoked by Christ. Outside of Christ, beside Christ, far beyond Christ, he had no liberty to think anything. His mind was yoked. He was fully yoked by Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Now, he expected that there in Philippi, at least one could be so genuine to work together with him. And this one can assist the two dissenting sisters to think the same. thing.
1: Francis, it seems by implication at least that the factor here that was uh, dividing or keeping these two sisters from having this one mind, was they were perhaps more occupied with their own work in serving the Lord, and that's what their mind was on, as opposed to having this one unique mind that the apostle was talking about. He was obviously in a condition in this state where he was fully yoked to this one thought, that of pursuing Christ. Now, in verse 3, he's pleading for at least one person additionally from Philippi to join him in this yoking practically help us. What was he looking for in such a yoke fellow?
2: Well, of course, this term, yoke fellow, really uh, struck me very much the way he shared this, comparing it with two animals that are yoked together. When you have that situation, neither of those animals has a right to have a different concept. They have to go the same direction. So he's looking for someone, at least one, who bore the same burden as Paul did, one who was joining him in pursuing Christ to the uttermost, to the same extent that he had pursued Christ. And this is what strikes me so much. Paul looking for somebody to help these two sisters who were evidently quite dear to him in the work that they had been involved in. But as you said, they probably got involved in the work instead of pursuing Christ to gain him and enjoy him. So uh, Paul's hope is that among those in Philippi There would be a genuine yoke fellow who would be in the same mind, thinking the same thing, and pursuing Christ to the same extent that would be able to help these sisters. It just stands to reason if we do not seek Christ to the uttermost, we've not yet been yoked. Our mind has not yet been renewed to that extent, and we will not be able to assist others who are dissenting.
1: By now, uh, from these previous chapters, we see that Paul has gone through a lot to be in such a condition. He says he counted all things lost, and these were not the negative or the sinful or the worldly things that he was counting lost. These were uh, quite lofty, seemingly wonderful things, weren't they?
2: Yes, they were. You know, he mentions uh, as to the law, he was blameless. As to uh, zeal, he was even persecuting the church. These are all things that were religiously powerful, but he counted all that which would be a gain to him as a Jew. He counted that all loss that he might gain Christ.
1: In this example, uh, even their, oh, perhaps success or accomplishment in the gospel could become a thing that in one sense they would need to count loss if they were going to be yoked in such a mind.
2: Yeah, very much so. And this is a danger that we get into in serving the Lord. We get occupied with our serving and not with Christ.
1: Well, we want to go on while we come to the verse we began the broadcast with, and that's the next verse in this series, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Francis, it's popular. We hear it quoted a lot. We hear it in song. uh, But I think seeing it in its full context today is going to give us a much more meaningful, a deeper appreciation of this wonderful little verse. Let's join Witness Lee one more time.
3: Now Paul concluded his book a practical point to conclude his writing. His writing charges the Philippine believers to have this mind, to think the same thing, even to think the one thing. Now, actually, practically, two sisters there were dissenting. In his conclusion, he pointed out this. He not only besought these two sisters to think the same thing, but also he charged some genuine one to labor together with him as a yoke fellow in the same mind to help these two sisters to think the same thing. That means to get them out of their descending consideration and bring them all into the one pursuing of Christ. Now, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Whether you are dissenting, you are not dissenting, you have to rejoice. If you don't rejoice, that means you are wrong. If you rejoice and this means you are right. But let me say this, I don't believe the dissenting ones could rejoice much. So to rejoice in the Lord should be always. This kind of rejoicing in the Lord always strengthens the oneness. In verse 2 and 3, for odious and Syntyche to think the same thing, they all must learn to rejoice. If they could not rejoice, they have to realize they do have a problem. So, to rejoice is a strengthening. Then, from verse 5 to verse 9, those verses cover many excellent virtues. For all those virtues, there is the need of a secret that is to rejoice in the Lord. If you don't know how to rejoice in the Lord, you don't have the secret of all those excellent virtues. So, to rejoice, In the Lord, it's not a small thing.
1: Francis, I think many of us like to take uh, a verse here or there that we would make our favorite verse uh, and cut it out and be able to hold it up and present that to others. But actually, uh, the context is always critically important. And this little verse has a very, very important context that I would say almost universally is overlooked. According to all that Paul is stressing here, what's the key for God's people to be in this kind of condition of continual rejoicing?
2: Well, learning to rejoice always, Uh, he says, whether you're dissenting or not dissenting, you still have to rejoice. So we have to learn how to to rejoice. This is a practice that uh, is not just to be happy. This is something from deep within our spirit, something inward. Learning to rejoice always is the way to get the strength for keeping the oneness that he just talked about. And Paul has spoken of this in these few verses about thinking the same thing and thinking the one thing. In order to do that, we have to be those that are not only rejoicing, but rejoicing in the Lord. It's hard to believe that uh, anyone descending to Paul's plea to think the same thing could be rejoicing. These two sisters and all of us Uh, need to learn to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, This genuine rejoicing will result in a lot of uh, characteristics or virtues, as he pointed out in the following verses. I feel, uh, Chris, that the main thing we need to exercise our spirit for is to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh,
1: Francis, this can kind of be, it appears to me... um... A chicken and egg question, I would say. On the one hand, we need to be rejoicing to be strengthened for all of these virtues and even to maintain the oneness. But on the other hand here, as you pointed out, Paul says, probably in their dissenting with one another, these two would have found it impossible to be rejoicing. So there uh, is a linkage here. We need to get in this cycle of rejoicing for strengthening to keep the oneness, because without the oneness, there's not much rejoicing, is there?
2: That's right. Without the oneness, there could not be rejoicing, and there must be rejoicing to have the oneness.
1: Francis, I appreciate your help today on uh, uh, an interesting chapter and one that I think we all can practically get quite a bit of help from. This is a situation that affects the body of Christ universally throughout time and is always affected by this matter of dissenting and being preoccupied with so many things other than this unique mind and desire to just pursue Christ.
2: Certainly. I think this is a really the thing, uh, Chris, that we need uh, this kind of realization that to be one— with the Lord's purpose, to be one with the Apostle Paul, to be one with those to whom God has committed His word, is very, very important. And for this, we just rejoice. We rejoice in our brother's speaking. We rejoice in what he's done in his recovery, in his present move. And we rejoice and we have nothing to dissent. But if we do, we still need to rejoice. But that rejoicing will bring us out of our dissenting and bring us into one accord and having the same thought, the same goal, the desire to gain Christ at any cost.
1: Well, we uh, would like to point out to our listeners that we have a lot of printed material available on these topics, particularly when we get into these books like Philippians and Ephesians, as we'll see, Colossians. Uh, This is really at the heart of this ministry in experiencing Christ for the accomplishment of God's purpose, and Paul is touching these things uh, in this kind of fashion, in this kind of heart. He was seeing a bigger picture as God's purpose was uh, revealed to him, and he was trying to bring all of God's people at that time into that same heart. This is really the point of this ministry. So we have uh, many, many items we would love to present to our listeners. If they'll contact us, uh, you can call us toll-free, and I'll give you that number now. We would like to visit with you about the books and material that's available from Living Stream Ministry. Our phone number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And also, you can send email to us to radio at lsm.org. And as we do from time to time, I'd like to point out our website, located at www.lsm.org. And from there, you can find the links that will take you to the radio page. And at that site, we have all of our previous programs that have been archived, and they're available for you to download and listen to at your convenience. Of course, we offer tapes and cassettes of uh, our programs as well, but the Internet, as we're finding, is becoming a more popular tool each day, so we like to take advantage of it, and those programs are there for you to listen. Once again, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Please call us if you can, and I would like to invite you back tomorrow. And for Francis Ball Today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
0: Even though Christ is immeasurably great, He is available for us to experience. In order to fully enjoy and appreciate Christ, we need a revelation of His person and work, and especially of our union with Him in our regenerated human spirit. As believers, we can abide in Christ and live Him out in our daily experience by receiving the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In the book, The Secret of Experiencing Christ, Witness Lee unveils practical points to enter into a genuine experience of Christ according to the divine revelation contained in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. The Secret of Experiencing Christ is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order a copy from Living Stream Ministry by calling 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788.